because that was an expectation that I had to be at these events and interact with people, then I took it as, okay, I will make accommodations and adjust my personality. Welcome to the Reclamation Podcast. My name is Aldo Martin. And I'm Cousin Eddie. And together, we're going to explore what it's like to be in and leave a religious cult. For more info on the Reclamation Podcast, or to tell your story, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Aldo B. Martin. I think it was Mel's idea. (laughs) And I was just with it. Yeah. And I had a sense of urgency that I wanted to, you know, in my mind at that time, I said, everyone here is going to hell. And my mission was to bring them to God so they could make it to heaven. So whatever it took, I was willing to do it. So I was, I mean, it it got so extreme that I was the kid who would, you know, lunchtime, I would stand up on the lunch table and, you know, share a Bible verse to everyone in the gym class, stand up on the bleachers, share a Bible verse. And that's just, that was my thing. I wanted everyone to know about God and I wanted everyone to know about the church. And, you know, I want the whole school to know that they could find salvation. You really went from being not caring at all to caring a whole lot. Yeah, so what's wild is kids that I went to junior high school with were running to me at my high school because they were there too. And they were like, yo, you're you're into the Lord a lot, but you taught me how to roll a blunt. <laughs> and play dice. Yeah, and, and so you got this... And, and pe- like I said, these are people who I went to junior high school with, and they saw what I was like there, and then what I transitioned to now. Yeah, um, it must have blown their minds. Yeah, I was, and I was all in, and it was so bad where I had friends who I taught because I had given up weed, and you know, friends of mine walk up to me like, "Yo, I got this rolled up right now. Come on, <laughs> Let's go around the court." Old times, just one time with me. Like, nah, I'm not doing that. You weren't even tempted. No. You describe yourself as a loner. And from the way I remember the church, there seems to be no place for loners. There there really isn't. How did you make that work? So my boy Mel, I was able to hide behind the fact that my boy Mel was very outgoing. He lived... We went to the same high school. He lived a few blocks away from me. So literally, we would take the train together to go to church. We would ride the train back home together. We were pretty much always together. So it didn't seem as if I was a loner. But I think I'm just a natural introvert. And I really enjoy my alone time and and being on my own. However, I think because there were so many activities that were going on in the church that because I was committed to, I think there was a study called the kingdom study. And that's where they talk about the body, you know, the church being the body of Christ and we are the body. And I don't know, I'm probably messing this up. Nah, you're on the right path. But 
because that was an expectation that I had to be at these events and interact with people, then I took it as, okay, I will make accommodations and adjust my personality to do those things. Was that a tough adjustment for you? No, it wasn't difficult at all. Um, And when I wanted to be on my own, I also knew that a lot of people who, you know, the name, you know, for the youth ministry, it was called the team ministry. I knew that a lot of the the guys in the team ministry weren't willing to go to the extent that I was willing to go to. What extent is that? So I would, you know, I would get up, go play basketball, go to, go to the park with my, with my Bible. And then once I'm done playing basketball, I'll walk around Harlem and try to get people to come to church, try to get people to study the Bible right on the spot. And this is you by yourself. Me by myself, because I've invited other people who were part of the team ministry to come do that with me. And they they would show up and like, uh, I got to go. Mm. Um, but for me, it was my mission and my calling. I wasn't going home to watch TV. Mm. It's one of these things where uh, if you want something done right, do it yourself. Yeah. One of the red flags, and I wanna, I'm going to talk about red flags, but one of the red flags that you noticed was that the church or members of the church wanted you to have an emotional connection to God. Now, that seems fairly benign. That seems like, okay, uh, harmless, it seems. But what made that a red flag for you in your eyes? So my boy Mel had studied the Bible before me, and there was this study called the cross study. Where the first they- one. The first study, right? First study I did was the word. Nah, they hit me with the cross. They hit him with the cross too. That was his first study as well. Surprisingly enough, they did the word with me. But because you was already on that level, bro. I mean, we were not biblical scholars yet. <laughs> <laughs> you were. <laughs> so, so he studied it, and right after he learned about what Jesus Jesus's sacrifice, he he started to cry, and. They did the cross study with me. I had no emotional connection to it at all. Is that because you didn't care or you're just a logical person? I'm a logical person. Everything is just logical for me. I'm like, okay, well, there's several billion people on the earth. He died for all of their sins, my sins included. I'm living my life according to the Bible. What else do you want from me? Like, I'm not going to cry. And I told them this. It was like, there's no way I'm going to cry. And it was very difficult for them to accept that. And then I think the second red flag that I noticed while I was studying the Bible was the fact that they said to me, you know, you've been coming to church for two months now and you haven't brought a single visitor. This is this is as a disciple or as a person studying the Bible? This is as a person studying the Bible. Because they kept trying to convince me that I wasn't ready. And it was almost, and I knew it was reverse psychology. It kept saying, you're not ready. You don't really want to do this. And I'm thinking to myself, dude, I, I, I'm thinking to myself, I live this more than you do. And I'm not even part of this church. And you're telling me this. But I remember, vivid, I vividly remember sitting down and saying to them, I said, you know, listen, I share my faith with 10 to 30 people a day and people don't come 
I was like, you're talking about me not bringing anyone to church. It's like, yeah, I've been coming here for two months. I haven't seen any of you bring a single visitor yourself. How do they respond to that? Bro, why are you being defensive? You're being defensive. It's not about us. It's about you. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the textbook response, right? Yeah, and I brushed it off. Um, they They sort of left me alone about the crying and the bringing people to church thing because they knew I wasn't going to break. And, you know, I, I, I ended up joining and I just disregarded the fact that I felt that way about those people because one of the, one other thing I do want to point out is you know, I was so extreme with it. I didn't even watch TV. It was like TV. It was like you're being idle if you watch TV. And I just always felt like I had to be doing something. And I was like, you guys play video games. It was like, I don't play video games. I go and I share my faith and I work and I study and it's just like... So what can they tell you, right? Yeah, in, in your and, mind, and, that's right. Yeah, and that was my eyes. It was like, what can you really tell me? You're just a part of this church. And, you know, you're kind of... You're sort of a gatekeeper between, you know, sort of making a decision on whether or not I should get baptized. And and I noticed that as as a young man, I, 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 I picked up on that. And that was a red flag for you. That was. But like, but like myself and many others, we took these red flags and we just, we disregarded them. We didn't forget about them, but we didn't act on them. No, didn't act on them. But then again, I mean, you know, if I think further back onto it, I would say these guys would probably do good cop, good cop, bad cop with me. Where one guy would be really hard and say, you're not ready, blah, blah, blah. And then another guy will come along and say, oh, you know, I felt the same way. You know, I understand. And I knew what they were doing. As you're saying this, I I have a question for you that I did not have originally. But from your perspective, you've heard a few episodes of the program. And Cousin Eddie kept equating our organization to like a sales job and a corporate structure. You you have a corporate background. What what are your thoughts on that? Is there any validity to that statement, or is it or is it a a, a, a far cry? It. I think it was spot on. It it really was a corporate structure because I'll never forget when one of the guys who who I looked up to a lot. He was sort of my mentor and, you know, my, what the formal name for it in the church was discipling partner. He told me, yeah, the church has financial statements. And I said, I, I didn't know much about church organizations. He's like, yeah, they have a, they have an annual report that they put together every year. And I said, really? I was like, where can I find that? He's like, oh, you can find it online. And I said, wow, that's interesting. But then I looked at the structure and, you know, I was a middle child. So I sort of know my place in society. I I figure it out relatively quickly. And I realized, you know, the guys who were the team workers, you know, that those guys were kind of like middle management to say. And then you had your Sunday minister. And so he would kind of be a vice president. And then you go up 
to the the elders and it's a Z- senior vp now yeah and then you go up to you know the last place i worked was at a bank and then you got the the md and those are like i think well we had like global uh global sector leaders or something you got it <laughs> yeah you got it that's the yeah, right so those guys would be like your managing directors and I, I hadn't worked in corporate then. Um, I just had like nonsense jobs um, as a kid. But I understood that there was a pecking order and there was a clear hierarchy um, in the church. And I knew where I stood in that hierarchy. Because the reason I ask that is because you were talking about how these guys were playing good cop, bad cop with you. And that's, you know, that's a, that's a tactic. That's a tactic that's employed uh, in, in many places, not just this church, but you know, um, all over. Now, one of the things that you told me um, in in our just speaking outside of this, you mentioned that you would have real anxiety on Saturday nights, right? In particular, if you did not have a visitor for Sunday, and it would give you anxiety. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, the expectation was to show up on Sunday. With a visitor, multiple visitors, and I think I got a, I get, I think I got a lot of that anxiety from. I'll never forget. There was, I'll say the borough. There was the Bronx Teen Ministry, and I remember my discipling partner at the time saying, "They brought a hundred kids to church, right, and they're baptizing loads of people." And we aren't baptizing anybody. You're the last person who got baptized. And I remember taking that as I have to bring people to church. So I remember going on my my Saturday night date. I would make sure that I got the girl home early enough so I could rush home, get on the phone and call people who I met during the week to see if they were going to come to church. And if I got a bunch of no's. You know, I just didn't, I didn't feel good about myself. But whenever I got a yes, I kind of came to church, chest poked out, feeling good about myself. Oh, hell yeah. Because I'm doing the Lord's work. You, you know, I, I do remember those days when one was successful in bringing a visitor because there was real pride in that. And you took that visitor to everybody. Be like, hey, uh, hey, Ron, hey, come here, man. I want you to meet my visitor. Uh, this is such and such. <laughs> yeah, you know. It was a real sense of pride for us, and we poked our chest out big time. See, what's really interesting is that I was, I definitely, because I was so hardcore with it, and I was so, like, my life, immediately my life was, I was 100% all in, committed to God, this church, and this mission, that I had conversations. I think some of the folks who were leaders in the church would take time and and explain things to me and teach me some of their tactics. And I remember one of the tactics that they would say to piggyback off what you were saying was, go find an attractive sister and introduce her to your visitor and what's going to happen is the guy's going to find attraction to her and then he's going to want to keep coming to church. Which is kind of crazy because let's say he did come to church because she was fine as hell. And now that he's in church and he's attracted to her and he's trying to get on it. Now we're discipling him. Yeah. And saying, bro, 
You're not being spiritual. You're here for the wrong reasons, bro. But meanwhile, we were taught to objectify that sister. Yeah, to a certain extent, yeah. You know? And and then use that against people. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. We're using people's desires and wants, and then once they're roped in, we use it against them to keep them in. But now that I think about it, man, I guess, you know, none of the sisters would... I don't think they would introduce me to who they invited. I guess I wasn't. <laughs> I didn't get introductions either. I guess I wasn't cool enough. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I want to discuss the red flags again. I'm going to go back to that. And like I said earlier, we all sensed them, but we never did anything about them, at least for those of us that stayed in the church for a while. I want you to tell the audience... Imagine if you sensed a red flag and you spoke to one of the leaders about it, one of your concerns. What would that conversation look like? All right. It would be very similar to the conversation I had when I called the the guys out that were studying the Bible with me about them never bringing anyone to church. But then I picked up on it just through listening to the Sunday sermons that I'll never forget this one minister. He went up there. He said, you know, this one brother came up to me after service and he's trying to point out my flaws of flaws in the church. And basically he said, you know, I set him straight. Right. And he's saying this to the congregation. He's, at large. Saying, he's saying that to the congregation. And I was thinking to myself, I don't want to be that guy. No. No. They they would purposely make examples of people for these things. Yeah, you definitely got you because one of the, I think one of the 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 problems was if you did something wrong. And I, this was something that uh this girl I dated in the church told me that they would do. She said it was called the hot seat. <laughs> they would, if you messed up in some way or if you you questioned how things were being done, you know, it would be a group of leaders who got together and they took turns correcting you. And they would correct you with scripture and try to essentially fix your thinking. And I I heard when she told me that I was bothered by it and I just realized I said okay, note it. And then also when I heard that first sermon where he was indirectly talking to that guy, I said I I don't I don't want to put myself in that position. Duly noted, right? Yeah. Duly noted. I want to, now I want to discuss you leaving, right? Like we're jumping from time period to time period. And I want to discuss you leaving. You left a couple of times. Can you please explain why, what that looked like? Yeah. So first time I left, I was maybe about 23, 24. And I'm trying to figure out life as an adult, um, you know, my 
when I turned my my grandmother passed away on my twenty first birthday, which was also my last year and my first college because we went to a community college, which I managed to complete in two years. Um, Shout out to you! Yeah, finished it up in two years, two and done. And I had went on to a much more competitive, more demanding school. I was working full time, and some there were some things that happened in the church that sort of made me jaded, and also had me realize that I would never become a minister in the church. Okay, um, because that's what I wanted to do for years, and. That wasn't going to happen. So a, I said, lot, a lot of people had that same yeah. aspiration. Yeah. And I had, I just, around 23, 24, I just accepted it, that it wasn't going to happen. And then looking at the leadership, it's like, I don't want to do this. And so I'm trying to figure out how to navigate life as a, as a man living on his own, my own place, full-time job, real responsibilities, no real safety net because, you know, grandma's gone. And I started to, I just, I, I would go to, I would go to church services and I'm thinking about football. I'm thinking about what I'm going to eat for lunch. Um, I'm looking around at the, the people that I'm in school with. I think this is when Facebook kind of first became a thing. And I'm seeing everybody posting pictures of themselves at the club and popping bottles. And, you know, meanwhile, I'm kind of going, I'm going on these dates with women in the church who I don't even like. Uh, My girlfriend at the time, we broke up. So it was me in a very unique stage in my life. It sounds like a stage of limbo, and it's and and you haven't been in that limbo in a very long time. Yeah, right. So this is if we're going back to those high school years, right? Just before you <laughs> started reading Leviticus and grew your hair out, <laughs> to now here, where you're in your state of limbo. This is something you haven't been in. This is uncharted territory for you. Yeah, it it was, and I knew that staying in the church wasn't going to get me out of that state of limbo. So I left for about six months and I started to focus on work and focus on school and, you know, just living and exploring. However, I still didn't, I still didn't find myself while I was outside of the church. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that was because most of my friends and most of my activities were centered around the church and I wasn't able to effectively like transition and make new friends and get new hobbies at 23 working full time and going to school at night. It just wasn't something easy to do because I was busy. But when I wanted to spend time with someone I didn't have anyone Um, because most of my friends and most of my activities were centered around church. You know, I didn't have an opportunity in my, at 21, 22 to understand, you know, actively dating and being able to 
talk to girls and get their number and going out and partying and um yeah I, I I didn't have that experience so I didn't know how to navigate that life so I went back to what I knew and what you knew was what church and then you left the second time yeah talk to us about that the second time I left I think I was in a better situation to do it I was how soon thereafter maybe like three or four years later so you left once for a few months mm-hmm. and then came back because you went back to what you knew yeah and then once you came back you stayed for another couple of years yeah so i wasn't fully committed then either but i was definitely trying to make it work and what i started to do was while i was there i started to plan my exit And so what I started to do was I slowly started to make friends with people outside of the church who are, um, you know, my best friends to this day. Um, I started to develop hobbies and different interests. So that way, when I left, I had something to go to. Mm. Next time on The Reclamation. You've had your struggles and ideations with mental health, personally. Can you speak to us how you were able to battle your mental health head on? Inside of the church or outside? 